0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. It's the fifty-seven, eighty-three. Everyone, this is going to be an, actually a fun thing to talk about. They put inside the choshen mishpat the urim and the tumim. They were on the heart of Aaron when he came in front of Hakadosh Baruch is Then Aaron, carried the judgment of Bnei Yisrael. Weird thing to say, the judgment of Bnei Yisrael, right? But he carried it on his heart in front of a Baruch Hu, constantly. Okay, so there's a lot here. Ravari Ka- Kaplan first starts off and says that the Urimit Tumim was like an oracle. That's the way it was. The coin God that would concentrate until he reached a certain level of Ruach HaKadosh, and the letters on it would light up the way that we imagined it, right? Or stand out in front of him. When he concentrated on it really, really well, he was able to see words form in front of his face. As a timeout, I've never known, and I don't have the answer to this question, if he actually saw them as letters right in front of his eyes, or if he was able to look down at the Khoshen and see them lit up on the Hoshan and then see them rearrange themselves into words in front of the Khoshen itself. So I'm not sure if it's almost like projected, almost like the bat signal right there in front of him, or just when he looked down, he saw it. Where was the Kohen Gadol looking when he saw these letters? I don't have the actual answer over here. Josephus, in Antiquities, in three Eight, nine says, when Bnei Yisrael went to battle, the stones would shine as a, se- a sign of victory, that they were winning over there. I'm not sure how that would have happened exactly. Josephus is saying it as if they brought the Hoshan out to battle, but they weren't allowed to bring the Hoshan outside of the Basin Mictus. The coin called obviously only wore inside the of Mictus itself, so I'm not sure exactly what it is. You can't ask a question. I haven't even started yet. So Targum Yonason says, it was called the Urim, right, because it lit up the letters and publicized the secrets of Bnei Yisrael when they needed to be known. Meaning when there were secrets that were there, that's what the Urim did. Tumim, because it helped perfect the avoda of the Kohen Gadol when he wanted to know what a Kodesh Baruch wanted from his nation. So that's the perfection. Like Tumim is in the word Tamim, which is perfection. The Merzah Gadol says it was called Tumim because he couldn't be taken back. Once the decision was made, that was it. And we'll come back to that. That's going to be a huge thing. Unlike Nevuah, like by where Nevuah could go wrong and something could happen, this cannot be taken back no matter what, whether it was negative or positive, it would never be taken back. Now, Tom Vidas explains the word is something a little bit different. He says it completes the word. The question that you had a few minutes ago is now complete. It completed everything you wanted to say. You should never ask it again. He says, additionally, it only works by people that will listen to what it, what it had to say and will never question it afterward. If you were a person who wanted to test the Urim so you went into the Urim and you asked the question to see what the Urim would say and then try to get it later, like try to fool it and be like, oh, see, it didn't get this or it didn't get that, then it won't answer. It won't answer. But Sturmbach says that that could be compared to what we know of as the Goro Hagra. It's well known, right, that the Goro Hagra was used by great luminaries such as the Chavetz Chaim, Revelielopian, Famously, the Briscoe Rub supposedly used it when he was trying to get away from the Holocaust. They used to say that it only works for people who know how to use it and that it'll work for them. It's not used by people just randomly. You want to check it out and see what's going to happen, like a high school kid who decides, "Oh, I want to do the gorilla gras, I'm going to check out the gorilla gras It doesn't work for people like that. Perhaps the words of a guggle work in the same way that if you go to a door it'll work in a way where you can go up to them if you understand what they're trying to. To tell you, but if a person goes in trying to test the rav, trying to test the gadol, then whatever the gadol says, it won't. He won't have the siyata Dishmaya that's necessary to answer you properly. It's possible that that's the idea behind it. So it's the same thing over here. That's how the urim tumma works. Says Rav Sternbach. And it makes sense that it completes the question to the point where you should never have this question ever again. Now the Torah Tumima also says the word Tumim is the word complete, but he says the following. He says this Nivua is going to remain forever and could never be taken back. And again, I told you, just like we said by Targum before, we're going to come back to that. It also means that B'nai Yisrael themselves should be perfect and complete when they use it. You couldn't just walk up to the Tumim and use it. You have to be someone of a certain stature and you have to be a choshev person in order to use the it, and that's that Otherwise, it will give improper answers as we see by Pilegish Begiva at the end of Shoftim where they asked the question improperly and they got an improper answer. Just go, just go up. And 18,000 and 22,000 people died in the wars that they had through the Urim Bitum. Because again, the Urim B'tum answered in the way that it was supposed to be answered by those people out over there. There are a lot of connections over here. The, the Degel Mach says Urim stands for Yira. The letters of Urim do have have the words yare inside there. Obviously, Yud, Resh, Aleph is inside there. The letters are basically the same. Tumim stands for Tumimos and Achtus, something which is great, a love which is great for one another. Right? They say, if you acted with Yira and Ahava, like Aronah Cohen did, then you were able to get the proper answer, and that's the way it was. The Chassam Sofer, interestingly, he says the word Urim stood for Moshe Rabbeinu, who shone like a light when he was born and gave us the Torah, which is a light. Tumim is Yaakov, the Ish Tom for Moshe and Yaakov both men of Torah and I'm assuming they're connected. The emer sheffer says that Urim is Torah and Tumim stands for Achtos, to Umim as in twins. Obviously that's connected to Moshe and Yaakovinu. Yaakov Vino. Yaakov Vino with the, with obviously being a twin of Esav, and Moshe Rabbeinu having that actus with all of Klai together. I don't know exactly what that connection is, but I'd like to work on that, and that's something I want to work on a little bit more. Tosefus Brachel Epstein also talks about it in his other Sefer, right? There's something behind this. But for right now, I want to go into something different. What is the definition? What happened exactly? So Rashi says someone, likely the Kohen Gadol, but it really could have been anybody. At times, it was somebody who wasn't necessarily the Kohen Gadol, but the Cohen who was there at the time to use it, like Tzadok, who was not a officially the Kohen Gadol, but nonetheless brought the Urim Metumim to David when Nov Iroquanim was destroyed. He brought it over to David, so it post-facto I guess he was considered the Kohen Gadol, but he wasn't officially the Kohen Gadol, right? He would write down the Shem Hamafurish, the name of Hashem, and place it in the folds of the Choshen. Remember, the Choshen was a piece of cloth that had a fold on each side. So it was right there, so you open it up, you put the names of Hashem inside that fold, fold, and it was through that name that they were able to light up the different letters of the choshen itself, the stones of the Khoshen, and become perfect knowing what he needed to say. During the times of the second base of Miktush, there was a choshen. says Rashi. They obviously, the Kohen Gadol, had to have all eight Begadim. So there definitely was a Khoshen, right? However, there was no Urim Betumim. When the Urim Betumen stopped working, or when they stopped using it, and what they did with it, we don't know. The last time a Officially, where the Urim B'Tumim was used was by David Amelech. We don't see Shlomo Amelech asking the Urim B'Tumim where, for example, where Ashmedai, king of the demons, was. He doesn't ask where the Shamir worm was. He doesn't ask the Urim B'Tumim those questions. So it sounds like the Urim B'Tumim never worked after that point, after David Amelech. But I can't prove that. We just don't see anywhere in the Malachim where they went to the Urim B'Tumim to ask. So it could be that it was done right then. Yeah, Shlomo. It seems that it was always placed inside there, but I don't have a riot of that. It seems like it wasn't a chiyuv of the big day kuna that you needed the urmitum inside there. It was just an option that you could put it in because otherwise, you'd have a problem by the second base of sure She's He's mechus or bigodden, But it was an option. But I don't think they ever took it out until the point came where they said, we well, have to hide this. And whatever point that was, whether it was Yoshia when he hid the Arun Kodesh with the and the kapores, etc., or it was earlier at some point after David Melech I don't know at some point that was hidden and I don't know what that was exactly he goes on and Rashi says it was this Ksav that allowed it to be Mishpat it's Sholo B'Mishpat the Urim many other rishonim say the exact same thing this is all from the Balitosis Rabbi Yoel the Rokech they all say the same exact thing that again it was the Shemos of Hashem placed inside the Khoshan itself it was not required to be there however it was put inside there and there were names of Hashem that's what it was the Meshachach Says this is why it says the hayu outlave our own, that it were, they were on the heart of our own, not the nasa. Not the Nafsa so that he carried the Urimit because the Urimit worked like the Arun Kodesh. It carried those who wore it. Not that you carried the Urim Tumim the Khoshen. It carried you when you wore the Khoshen. I don't know what the Napka mean would be. I don't think it actually meant that the Kohen Gadda was like floating in the air. But I think it means that he could have, if he wanted to. That he had the ability to, if he wanted to. That's how the Meshach says it. The Ramban goes on a little bit further. And this is the famous Ramban over here that talks about the Urimit He says that when they asked in the beginning of Sefer Shoftim, to me. Who will go up against the Kenani first? This is what Yehuda and Shimon asked in the very beginning over there. The Kohen would then do the following. He would concentrate on the name of the Urim. The name of the Urim. And that would bring up certain letters. And again, I don't know if they lit up in front of his face or if they lit up when he looked down at the Choshen. I'm not sure which one. But the letters of the Urim, the Urim would light up those letters of the Choshen that he needed. That's the first part over there. And then afterward, for example, let's say Yehuda Yale is the whatever, the the answer that the Urim B'Tumim gave. Yehuda Yala. Yehuda goes up first. So Yehuda would light up. Again, I don't know here or there. And then the Yud from Levi, Ayan of Shimon, Lamid of Levi, and He of Avram. Those letters would light up in front. Of him. So we had Yehuda, Yale. And that would be the letters that were lit up in front. Of him. But he still didn't know what order the letters should be in. He didn't know if it's spelled Yehuda Yala, and maybe, I don't know, somebody would have to be really good at these, it's anagrams, I think, where you switch around the letters, right? Somebody would have to be really good with anagrams, right? But maybe you could spell those into something different. They didn't know what it was saying. For that, he concentrated, says the Ramban, on the Tumim. The Urim lit up the letters. The Tumim put the letters in order so that he was able to see them, so to speak, right in front of his eyes. Concentrating on both allowed both things to happen. If you concentrate the Urim and the Tumim together, you were able to light them up and have them right there in front of you and you had an order right over there. It could be done through Ruach HaKodesh, right, on a level lower than Nivua, like we set up earlier, but above the level of Abbaskal. It was like under, like the lowest level of Nivua. right above Abbaskal, right there is the level of Ruach HaKodesh need, needed for that. Apparently, the power of the Ur-Mitum went away, but as I said, we haven't seen the Urimetum used past David Amelech, so it's possible that they lost that right after David Amelech had passed away. The Barbonell adds that it could be that the coin had to look down multiple times. Right? And each time, he would see a different letter or a word lit up in front of him. That it didn't just happen at once. That he thought, one, the Urim, and then he saw Yehuda. And then he looked down, and he would see a Yud. And then he looked down, and he saw an Ayin. It could be that it happened one at a time, and he would memorize what he saw, and he would have to put it together in the end. So it was a really, I, I, if, if it was a long answer, it would be something we had to keep looking down and keep concentrating on. But the yeah, Abar again, he says, this is what I think. He doesn't know that, and that's not what the Ramban says. The Ramban says, it seems like all the letters could be lit up all at once. Okay, but clearly, the Barbanel was bothered by a problem when he said that. What was his problem exactly? What if the same letter had to be used more than once? After all, there was only one one ches, on the entire Choshen. It's actually not there. As we know, the stones of the Choshen are the names of the Shvatim. In the names of the Shvatim, there are fifty five, five zero letters, right? But you're missing a Ches, a Tes, a Tzadi, and a Kuf. There are none of those letters by any of the Shvatim. So they added on Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. In Yitzchak right there, you have Tsadi, Ches, and Kuf. So that works out well. But you're still missing a Tes. So they added on Shivte Yeshurin. Shin Vav, Shin, bev, shin beis, Tes Yud. Yud Shin Resh Nun. And that was added on. Those are the letters that were right there. So there was a test. that was everything there. But let's say you needed two tesses. Let's say you needed two chesses. The Abrabanel was bothered by that. You look down. If you need two chesses, you don't have two chesses. There's only one. So what would you do? Let's say you need another letter that had triple letters, quadruple letters, and you don't have that amount of letters. What are you supposed to do? That's why the Abarbanel says, you might have had to look down multiple times to see how many letters were there, because you simply didn't have all the letters available for you. I think that's what he says. However, the Degel Mach Nefrayim, the Baal Shemta's grandson, he answers this in a completely different way, in a brilliant way. He says, every letter has Miluim. So for example, an Aleph is not just an Aleph. An Aleph is Aleph lamid pei, right? A base is not just a base, it's bays yud Suf, right? And even those letters have more to them. And aleph becomes aleph lamid pei, and then the aleph. Becomes Aleph Lamed, Pei of that, and then Lamed becomes Lem, Lamed, Mem Dalit, and the Pei becomes Pei Aleph or Pei Hey, and then the Aleph becomes Aleph Lamed, Pei, and the Hey becomes Hey Aleph. Do you get what I'm saying? There's Miluim. All letters are made up of letters, and those letters make up other letters. So in theory, there are un- in numerous letters that could be used because they're all there, even though the actual letters were only seventy-two letters on the Khoshan itself, and that's it. You didn't have anything more than that. But with the Miluim, with the makeup letters that you had, the added letters that are missing, so to speak, hidden within the letter itself, you had everything available, says the Dagomah with his Ruach HaKodesh the Cohen Gadol was able to see the extra letters that were missing and therefore there was no issue of having to look down multiple times, so I think the Abarbanel says you have to look down multiple times because you had a problem I think, this is a shot they had a problem what would you do if you needed extra letters and the way the Dagomah was doing it is he's saying, no, you could see all of it in front of you because there were still Miluim there and stuff like that, Dave, yeah yeah, so if if we're relying on the codex, so we yeah. think that like you know need to have all these little answers. Like he it was like you know wheel of fortune that so he like spins it and then the like, lights up and then like he's like it, give me this. But for stuff, yeah, you're, you're right. For, that's doing. really what the Degel Machina frame is saying that you don't have to rely on the letters of the Khoshan itself, but you need to have something that it's based on. There needed to be a base, and then you could do something more than that. Yeah, the same question, were there ever long answers? I thought they were pretty short answers. So, Yehuda Yala is obviously very short, but there's one answer, and I forgot to look it up right before, and I meant to do it, with David Amalek, when he asked later on, where there was a long, like a sentence answer, and that was long. you, you like to get one part, and then it like turns off, and then you get the next part? So, that's what the Abarbanel was saying, yeah. The idea behind the Abarbanel is looking at one at a time. In Shulam, what were you going to say? I was going to ask, I'm not sure how letters spell, it's so like, I can't really, uh, I can't know the certainty, but... Yeah. I don't know how many letters have a test in their style. Not too many. Still, least, yeah, yeah, yeah. You still. would still be messed up with that. However, a test itself will have multiple tests. Because <laughs> you have tests that, yeah, you'll keep going. So you can still have that. But you're right. Obviously, there are certain letters that would be problematic. with Degel Machina is getting around that. Obviously, the Barbanel took it in his way, right? But there are two different ways of how that could be understood. Nimi Amloes also brings the Machlokas. Brought down. It's an Amoritek Machlokas. If the letters stuck out, there were boltos. If they were gathered together on one stone, Miskabtos. That's an interesting question of it. Maybe they didn't light up at all. They gathered together, so to speak, on one stone, so you could see it as if it's right there, over there. Of course, the Ramban just said that it was lit up, but this is another idea. The Rabbeinah B'chaya then explains the process. So how did you ask it? The Ramban doesn't talk about this, but the Rabbin B'chaya goes on a little bit further. He says, first, the coin Gadol would stand facing the Aron Kodesh, right, with the Urim Etumim, in a sense, of Choshen right there, right, the Choshen with the Urim inside it. He would face the Aron Kodesh. Where was he? More than likely, he was standing outside, not in the Kodesh but outside of the Kodesh, but facing where the Kodesh was. That's probably where it was. He wouldn't ask too loudly, but he wouldn't think it to himself either. He would say it in a Shmona Esrei voice. In a Shmona Esrei voice, he would ask the question, and the person, the penitent, the person asking him the question, would be standing behind him. He would then wrap himself in Ruach hakodesh, the Kohen Gadol, look at the Choshen on his chest. That's what he says, although, again, it could be that it was projecting in front of him. And whatever he showed him, that's what, that's what it was was only a king based in or a rep- a basinagle, I should say, a rep- or a representative of a teaboard can ask a question of the coin Gadol. It wasn't like anybody else could do it. It was only those three people. And it doesn't even mention, by the way, as a side note, a king, based in a, guddle, a representative of the seaboard. It doesn't say the coin Gadol could ask it on his own. It seems like the coin Gadol needed someone to be there for him to ask the question. That's what it seems like, rather than do anything different. Ellie, what are you gonna ask? So there's a concept of Asari before Khanna with the Kohen Gadol? No, because no, because Oh, that's a good call, actually. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yes, there's something in which you have to whisper it, but not do straight out. But Tefillah was not like that. Obviously, back then, back in the day, it seems Tefillah was something different. Although there is a Chsam's Hofra. This is the opposite, that she wasn't shocked by that. She was shocked by something different. But yeah, in Pushup Shah, it seems that Tefillah was all done out loud. That's what it is. Now, famously, this is the famous Vilna, yeah, Shlomo. Uh, hold on, very good. Hold on with Eli, yeah. Famously, the Vilna Gone says, this Ramban helps us understand what happened between Eli and Chana. Obviously, as you just mentioned, Chana was standing by the Mishkan. She was davening, and nothing was coming out of her lips, right? Or he couldn't hear anything, and that's not the way they davened back then, so he assumed something was wrong. So what did he do, right? That's what the wording of the Pasuk is. Eli thought her to be drunk. That's the famous line right over there, that he thought she was drunk. So what happened? He looked at the Urim B'tumim and saw what she was doing, asked what was she doing, and the answer he received were four letters. The four letters that lit up were Shin, Chaf, Resh, and Hey. Now he looked at that, and he didn't even bother using the Tumim, because the Urim just told him she was drunk, the Urim said kora. So he said like, alright, I don't even need to bother using the tumim. So she didn't use the tumim. She just went over to her and said, went over to her and said, what's wrong with you? How could you stand here drunk in front of the mishkan? That's what he assumed. To which she said back, al lo adonato be You're not my master when it comes to this. You didn't have the proper Ruach You're right with the letters of shin chaf reishhe. But if you would have used the tumim, you would have seen that I'm kisara. I'm like Sora, Sora, sorry, Menu. I need a baby. I haven't been able to have a child. And that's the problem. Maybe it's even Kishara. I don't know if it's Kishara or Kishera. but you read it incorrectly. You should have been, you shouldn't be Chosheed Bichsherim. You should have read it in the runway. And that's that. I'm sorry? It's almost hypocritical because she was was talking yeah. in an undertone. And then he asked the question and then Correct. So it seems like he did exactly what it was. But again, that's tefillah versus this. This is different. It's not tefillah and therefore it's right over there. By the way, Likute Sijos, this is from the Labab Cherevi, says technically she was correct. He was correct. She was drunk. She was drunk in her tefillah. So the shikora also applied. He took it as a bad thing that she's drunk, and it was a bad thing, but it wasn't. He was dr- she was drinking in the fact that she couldn't stop davening. She was davening with such concentration, she didn't know what she was doing, she didn't even realize. She was so drunk in her tefillah in that way. Technically, all three explanations of kisara, kisheira, or shikora were all correct. But one might ask, as you just did someone before, aren't you only allowed to use the urim for a big question, asked by a king, or asked by a Baizdin, or asked by somebody who's a representative of the Tzibor? Why in the world was he allowed to ask the question himself? Eli can't use the Urimitumen for some random reason. And was was of that important that he had to ask the question? He didn't even know who she was, obviously. So was that so important that he had to do it? Why did Eli use it? And it could be it's based on the Ramban above. If you had an aphode, You could use these Shamos and find out anything you wanted on your own even with the Ruach HaKodesh, you didn't need the Urim Bitumim. He knew that Chana was a special person. You couldn't understand what she was doing. So he used his own Urim Bitumim to be able to say it. He didn't need the actual stones. He might not have even been wearing the Choshen and the Urim Bitumim. but this is a process of forming Ruach HaKodesh and having something pictured in your head in which you didn't even need it. He was able to look, think to himself, what is this? Concentrate on the Urim and saw letters in front of his, in front of his mind and therefore didn't use the tumen. But once you knew how to use it, you didn't need the khoshen or the urimitumim in order to get it done. You could figure it out on your own. Isn't that an unbelievable answer? That's the idea behind it over there. I can't remember where I found that. Okay, so if anybody knows where that is, I'd love to know. But I found that years ago, and I have no idea where it's from. Yeah? Could anyone have their own Apo or it's only a coin could? Give me a second. I'm probably gonna answer every question you ask. I probably. I'm 99% sure I'm going to. You just gotta give me some time, guys, okay? We're again, we're only on page two. I will get to page four. When we're there, you'll see. So hold on. Swaramor says that we don't know what the name was by the Urimvichim. We don't know what it was. It could have been a Exavalokim. It could have been Shamos that are well known to everybody, right? It could have been. Could have been like that. The Bala Turim, however, says, Esau Urim, the Esatumim is the Gematria of 1571, which is the Gematria of Shame, Ben, Shivim, Ushdaim. The 72 word name. We talked about this before based on the the Rashi. In sukkah it is not 72 letters. That's a mistake people make because Yud Kei if you spell it out it's Yud Vav Dalid Hey Yud and Vav Yud Vav and Hey Yud is a gematra of 72. They think it's a 72 letter name. It's not 72 letters 72 words based on three psukim that are right in a row that have 72 letters each in Parsh B'Shalach. And it's very very clear Vayet, Vayav, Vayisa and Rashi says over there in Sukkah right very beginning of the very beginning of I think it's Aleph. how these names were made that you take the first letter of the first pusik and the first letter of the third pusik and the last letter of the second pusik you put them together and you come out with this combination of all these different names over here. Yeah. No, probably not. Taka. That was the eighth name of the seventy-two word names of Akedat or Yali or uh, whatever. There's a couple, but yeah, it's not not that one, but it is the eighth of the seventy-two. If that that basically, based on that. But the idea is like that, and it is, that name was placed in the Choshan, that 72-word combination, letter combination, it's technically 216 letters, Those that name was placed inside there, and that's what Rabbi Neu Ephraim says, that's why in Yashir we say Hashem's name 18 times, because 18 times 4, the four letters of Hashem, is 72. Again, it's weird, because then it's 72 letters, but we don't mean 72 letters, we really need 72, Seventy-two words, but regardless, that's what the Rabbi Avraham says. We follow that up by saying Yishtabach shimcho, Hashem Elokein. We even add on the word Uvechein when Nishmas interrupts. Uvechein is seventy-two. Bez Chaf Nun is seventy-two. That's why Svardim add on Uvechein Yishtabach Shimcha to add on that even though you're missing the, the Az was too far before because we had Nishmas in between. Nonetheless, we have this seventy-two right there, and that's the idea behind it. And again, it's right there. Oh. Uh, Did I write Rashi Sukkah Menbez Mabez? I, I, Mem Bez. I said, I think I said memheum and aleph. I'm sorry. It's membezumabes. It's right there. Targum Yonasan says this name was the one that was used to create 310 worlds, the Shai Olamos that are mentioned right in Sanhedrin. It's the shame engraved on the Evan Shasi on the base of Mikdush, which covers up and holds back the Tahom, the depths from cover, from destroying the world. Anyone who calls out this holy name when they're in trouble and knows how to use it, obviously, will be immediately saved. And that's the shame Bays. That's what we've been talking about right over here. now the Tzegel says there are many who assume that this Shem was the four-letter name that we all know, Havaya, Yudke Vavkei. But Rashi hints in a few places that it's really men Menbez, the 42-letter name. And you know that 42-letter name because if you've ever done Ana Bikoach, right before Lichadodi, right, on Kabbalah Shabbos, you'll see those letters on the side, Abad Yat, Atzkar and Neged Yakash. That's not actual names, it's combinations of letters. There are 42 letters there. And that is supposed to represent the 42-letter name of Hashem. That's why it says Baruch Afterward, because you're mentioning the 42-letter name of Hashem. You do it by korbanos in the mornings by afternoon. If you say korbanos right before David, which you should, and that's that. The Rev Highgone also says it's the 42-letter name of Hashem, even though whatever, but the, the Rush says a little bit differently. But regardless, this shame is the Rush E van It's in our sitter, and that's the name, not the 72 word name, but rather the 42 letter name. In Likute Torah of the he says the urim was the shame and and the tumim was the shame Ian Right? So that's that. So we have that right over there. I will tell you. There's another opinion that says there's a Shem Yudbez, a 12-letter name of Akarish Hu. That's also mentioned over there, but that's in the Al-Kuruvaini. I don't fully understand it, so I'm not gonna go into it. not that I understand this, but that's the idea behind it. Now, so much more. The Rashbam says this was oaths made by Shemos of Hashem that were used to tell them what they needed to do. The nations have truffin. They have Ksumim, all this magic stuff, to be able to tell them what they're doing through Yeruach We have Lahavdil, Elif av, Havdelos, Al-Tay e, We have this instead. That this is something that we used in order to speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who have a connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They have theirs, we have ours, and that's the connection between us. However, there's an Ibn Ezra. This Ibn Ezra is famous, and it's a crazy one. The Ibn Ezra in Pasuk Vav says, Had Rashi seen the writings of Rav HaIgon, Rashi and obviously all the Balai had they seen the writings of Rav HaIgon, he would never have said that it was a name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He never would have said it. Never would have said it. He says the eifot and the khoshan are a very deep secret. The eifot, if you remember, was the backwards apron that the Kohen Gadol wore. The khoshan was the breastplate in front. They are a very deep secret, and I will reveal part of it, he says, as the Ezra says. Maybe someone with das Elyon, a knowledge of everything above, will understand what I'm saying. That's how the Ibn Ezra puts it. So it's pretty pretty crazy, the Ibn Ezra. He says the Urim Bitumen were kept elsewhere until they were needed. And that deals with their Shlomo set up above. Again, if you would have asked me now, I would have said, yeah, I have it right here. right? And then they were placed inside the folds of the Khoshan. They were made of gold and silver. And there may have been a certain number of them. The Hamaskil Yavin, he says. He doesn't explain anything else behind it. He says, if you're wise, you'll understand it. Someone who is used to using them and knew what they were would be able to ask questions with just the aphode even without the koshin itself. But there's so much more to write, it's too much to do so, and it wouldn't be understood by someone who hasn't learned safer amidos, so I'm stopping there. And that's what he stops. I, it sounds like from the Ibn Ezra that this wasn't Shemos Vashem in a little cloth. These are little golden and silver, I don't know, pieces of something. Now, they used to make, through astrology, they used to have certain, you know, things that you could create that would be able to tell you certain things. And it certainly sounds like that's what the Ibn Ezra is saying. But that would be a Vodazor mamish. <laughs> so that would be a real problem. And to have it in the folds of the Chosha. Now, I'm not putting that down because the truth is, what are the Kruvim? The Kruven were golden statues in which a Kaddish Baruch whose voice came out from from the Arun Kodish, And obviously, that's from the Torah. That's something different. If the Urim B'tum are something that was made to be able to put inside the Choshen, I'm not putting that past because the Basim mixture was totally different than anything else that we know. So I would never, Chas shalom ever say like this would be something that's inappropriate. But it is a very strange answer. But again, he says, Vamasko Yavin. I'm not a wise guy. So I have absolutely no idea what it means. However, the Ramban, that's a different story. So the ramban says that. This sounds like the Ibn Ezra thought that the between were suros, made by astrologers to understand what people were asking, using the powers of the heavens to answer different questions. That's what it sounds like. The Ramban says this, not me. That's what it sounds like from the Ibn Ezra. He uses the words, below Omar Klum. He hasn't said anything. That's what he says about the Ibn Ezra. Later he says that he saw what Rav Haigon says, and the Ibn Ezra messed it up. That's not what Rav Haigon means. That's harsh as anything. Okay, And he says something else entirely. The proof that Rashi is correct, he says, is that there's no maisa umnus mentioned. No no tradesman. It's not like it's a trade, something you have to make in order to make the urim the All it says is, you make the urim the tum. If it's not shemos of Hashem, then you have to make something. So tell us what to make. It doesn't tell you what it is. So that seems very, very strange. It sounds like there's no Valsisa, there's no anything like that. So it doesn't sound like that. Even though there are other things that we don't know exactly how to make, for example, for example, the A-fold. We have no idea what the aphode is. Rashi says, I think it's a backwards apron worn by women when they go riding. We've spoken about that before. The craziness of Rashi saying, and nobody else argues on it. Everybody's like, yep, backwards apron. We're all good with it. right? It's a strange thing. There's no medrash. There's no tosefta. There's no sifra, no sifri, no anything. Nothing, nothing. We just assume Rashi's explanation is correct. Again, Rashi is writing this in the 10 hundreds, right? In In the 11th century, and everybody's totally okay with him writing it down, it sounds like, at least by the ephod, it says v'asisa as a You have to make something. Over here by the word it just says you take the word and you put it inside the koshen. If it was making something, you'd have to use the word v'asisa, and it doesn't over here. So he says, it must be that it was a name of Hashem. It must be a name that Moshe Rabbeinu knew. And therefore, that's the idea behind it, says the Ramban, and whatever the Ibn Ezra says, don't believe it. He goes on, it's possible, he says, that these names were handed down from generation to generation from Moshe as a Along with all the other secrets of the Torah, that even if they became lost, we could get it again. We could grab it again, we could use it again, and it's there. Perhaps that's what it means when there were 85 Kohanim wearing aphodes in the city of Nov. They were all killed by Shaul and Doi Gadomi, right? But those 85 people were wearing aphodes. Maybe that's what Shmuel and Avi wore in the Mishkan itself. Maybe that's what refers to when David Amelech had an aphode bad. Maybe this is what refers to that he also had the power of the Urim Thummim because he knew what it was, the shemos that they were, even though he didn't actually have the Choshen. Even though he didn't actually have the ur he had a way of connecting to a Kadesh Baruch that was different from everybody else. That's the Ramban suggestion he goes through. More so, the Chesam Sofer in his Likutim. You should know this is not in the regular Chesam Sofer al or in the Torah's Moshe. I found it in a Likut Sefer that I bought 25 years ago in Eretz israel, and I haven't seen it since then. The Chesam Sofer Al-Torah. It's in the random Likutim. He says it's clear that the Ibn Ezra not only was saying about these ur he knew how to make them himself, says the Chesam Sofer. Then he knew how to make them himself. And that's quite a wonder. That's beyond anything that you can imagine. He says, Nechemia told the Kohanim, right? I, I think I spelled that wrong. I think it told the Kohanim in Parag Zion, Pasuk Sameche, that their Yichus could not be confirmed until a coin gets up with the Urim Betumen. Right? That would clarify anything. Everything. So the Chesam Sofer says, something's wrong here. If Nehamiah didn't know how to bring it back and he didn't have an Urim Batumim and clearly said, once we have the Urim Batumim, I can tell you if you're a legitimate coin or not. Until that point, I can't do it. That means that he himself did not have the Urim Batumim. If he didn't have the Urim Batumim, how could it be that the Ibn Ezra knew how to do it? The Ibn Ezra saying, I knew. How could it be that way? Right? I, I Obviously, there's something off because we know what the shame Hashem is. Maybe it means that if it's a shame Hashem, we don't know how to use it. We don't know how to use it. But for the Ibn Ezra, he says, to claim that he knew what it was, not only knew what it was, but he was able to make it himself, seemingly, the way the Chassam Sofer is saying it over here, that seems to be unbelievable. So there he goes he goes on. He says, the him being the shame Hashem makes more sense to me. I haven't found any other Rishonim. I looked as many Rishonim as I could. Nobody else says like the Ibn Ezra. Nobody else quotes the Ibn Ezra. Unless they're coming to argue with them. The balitosas seem to argue with them a lot. But that's an unbelievable answer over here. Okay. Going on. The Mesha Kochma says the word Tumid does not appear over here. It doesn't say the word Tumid constantly. And that's how we know that it was not necessary to wear the Urim Betumim at all times. Meaning, if you took it out and you just had the Choshen, it was still okay. That's the idea. It was not considered a Choshen B'gadim. In fact, the Gemara and Yuma lists it as one of the things that was missing in Bayasheni. The Urim Betumim were not there, which means they were not necessary. The Bear says, I don't understand. As we just said before, they're names of Hashem. And that's what you asked, Dave, right? Why in the world wouldn't they have made it again for the second base of if It was just Shamos, names of Hashem. And look, I know what the 72 letter name is. I can look at the psukim myself and make it up. I know what the 42 letter name is. I can look at an I could say it right now. Why wouldn't they just have written it down, put it in a piece of paper, put it inside the kosher and used it by the second base of Mikdash? Why wouldn't they have done it again? So there's a couple answers to this question. The Be'er Basah, the answers himself, he said there were certain people that were experts in this. They did know it and they knew that many of the koanim gidolim by the second base of Mikdash were going to be tzedukim they were going to be off a little bit. They were going to use it improperly, and therefore they hid the Shamos from them, even though they could have made them. They didn't. They didn't want them using them, and they took them away completely. First base makes You had a bunch of tzaddikim, is Kwan and gidolim, all the way to Yoshua, ben Yochanan. Maybe Ezra. So for Shimon Sadik those people were tzaddikim, right? However, there were so many bad guys during the second base mikdash. They hid it. That's his answer. Tzeda lederach. That's the note of asked the exact same question and says it's. Clear Clear from the Gemara that they knew it. They did know it, right? But also knew that it wouldn't work. They knew it wouldn't work. So they purposely hid it and wouldn't tell anyone about it. And again, that goes with what I said before. The last time that we're in between work was by Melech. So they knew it wouldn't work, so what's the point? So they could have done it, they could have had it, but they didn't, they said, forget it, we're not gonna do it. The Chidah answers, they may have known which letters were used, but they didn't know the proper Nikudos and how to pronounce it correctly. Because remember, Abag I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, I just know the letters, Aleph, Bez, Gimel, Yud, Tuftsadi, those types of things. To say the name properly, to know that, that they didn't know. They knew what the letters were, but they didn't know how to use them in that way. That's how the chidah, that's why they couldn't replicate it in Bayeseni. That's our third answer. Fourth answer is another answer by the chidah. It's also brought by the Abarbanel. They say even if they knew what it was, in order for it to work, you needed the Shemos written down by Moshe Rabbeinu. These names were written by Moshe Rabbeinu on a piece of patek, on a little piece of cloth, that, or I don't know, whatever it was, a cloth that was put inside the folds of the Choshen. That's what made it light up. If I would write something down, even if I knew the right letters, even if I knew the right Nakudos, no matter what I did, if I wrote that down and then I put it inside, it won't work because it wasn't written by Moshe Rabbeinu. You needed Moshe Rabbeinu's Urim Betumim, not a random person. And no matter how great that person is, their Urim Betumim. So therefore, says the Chidah and the Abarbanel, it won't work without Moshe Rabbeinu himself. They weren't great enough to be able to know. And that's why it says the words in the beginning of the Pesach, it says, Vinasata, You have to put it in, Moshe Rabbeinu. If you don't put it in, it's not going to work. And according to that, that also answers what you asked before. Did they ever take it out and put it back in? It sounds like no. Because if Moshe Rabbeinu had to put it in, he's the one that wrote it, he had to put it in. If it was ever taken out, they probably never were able to put it in ever again because Moshe Rabbeinu had to do it. That's how the Chidon, the Abarbanel, says it. And the last thing that we're going to mention over here is the Abarbanel, another question from the Abarbanel, who says three solid questions. If the Urimetum is a level lower than Nebuah, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu promise Moshe that Yoshua could use it with the or Cohen and Parshas Pinchas? Why would he have told Yoshua that he should use the Urim Metumen if he had nevuah already? Yoshua's is on a higher level than the Urim Tumim. Why use the Urim Tumim, which is a lower level, if you have Nebuah all the way over there? Why would Nebuah still exist within certain years in Bayasheni, but the Urim Tumim wasn't used? As I mentioned before, it stopped by David What happened? If Nebuah could be used, and it was used extensively in Gola's Babel, by Yecheskel, Yechanan, Achaga, Zechariah, Malachi, you have all these Navim, then why wasn't the Urim Tumim able to be used in Gola's even? I'm sorry? It was clear. What was clear? needed to be a the was exact. They gave you the letter. That's true, but it's still considered a lower level than Nivua, as we said before. So that's the Abba question. If it's a lower level, then it's a lower. Level. If you say it's a higher level, fine, fine. But it's not a higher level. It's a lower level, even though the answer clear was supposed to be clear. And the third one is: Would Moshe have to be involved with this if the Nivua was so much? His Nivua is so much higher than the level of Ruach Hakodesh. Why would Moshe have to be involved at all? I, again, it's so much lower, isn't it? Any answers? This is the idea, and it's similar to what Ellie was saying. Not every Navi received a Navi whenever they wanted to. Most Rabbeinu got it whenever he wanted to. But not every Navi was able to get that. If a Navi wanted a Navi, sometimes they got it, sometimes they wouldn't. It was available for them, for them to be able to get it, but not always. Yoshua would not always be able to get a Navi. He couldn't just reach up and say, I want to know something, and Hashem would answer him. So if you needed a Navi, and you weren't getting a Navi, that's what the Urim Betumen was for. The Urim B'tuman was there and available at any point in time. And it did. It gave you a clear answer. But the main point is is that it was available constantly. That's what made it so great. That's what made it... Ab- and it was immediate use. That was the idea. Therefore, Yoshua, if you need help, go to the Urim Betumen. Moshe Rabbeinu, put your power into it. Your power is not the level of Nebuah. Your level of Nebuah is way higher. But it's the ability to speak to a Kodesh Baruch Hu at any point when you needed it. And that's the idea behind it. And that's why it wasn't used by the second base of Mikdosh. They weren't promised. They could be promised the Nivua, which would come when Hashem wanted them to know something, but the level of Ruach HaKodesh at any point and any time, whenever you needed something, just ask that they couldn't get. That's the idea behind it. And the idea is the Torah gives our final answer, right? And that is that Nivua can be unclear and it also could be Choseres, as you mentioned. But it could also go back. If there's a bad nevuah, it could go back and it might not happen. That's like Yonah's proclamation in Ninveh. The Urim Betumim all Always came true as we mentioned before and that's the difference and that's why it had to be used at certain times now I'm not I, I'm going to stop right here in and of itself there are other opinions of what the Urim Batumim are but it's late already there's Rishonim there are other people involved so now, I'm going to stop right here, but just know there's so many crazy opinions about what the one of the and it's not what we think it is. I'm going to try to make an addendum to this a little bit later. Just a five minute quick thing that goes to the other opinions on the one of It's just unbelievable what happened over here. Shkaiq, everybody. Stop that. Have a great Shabbos. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.